My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 140, 140 of Cinepunks. Yeah. That means we're the only gassy 10. Podcast. Yeah. We're only 10 away what? from 150, man. And 150 feels like a real big deal, right? We're only 60 away from 200. Two and I don't know. Hundo. I'm pretty sure if you're a longtime listener, you know. Us at CP love hundos. We love hundos. It's true. And we do. We really do. <laughs> That's the thing. Just put so a yeah, hu- just put a hundo in an envelope and send it to us and we'll We love know, them hundos. Hund- we'll, loving hundos. Uh, we'll we'll cream our pants. Is that a thing? Do we want to <laughs> do we want to move into ejaculation humor? That's not really our vibe, but who knows? Maybe I don't know. open I think up the that's market a different a website. That's a different yeah. website than yeah, us, that's I think. True. That's not know. really that's I, not really I'm our not. thing. I guess we'll just get happy and do a little dance. That'll be more that's yeah, more our that vibe. typically but honestly though, when are we not dancing happily somewhere? You know what I, I'm saying? I kind of do it all the it's it's one of those things that like sometimes when Maeve does stuff, you, I like know where it comes from and sometimes I don't. And one of the things I know is like when she just randomly sings to herself and does a little dance, I'm like, that's my child. She has my DNA. <laughs> like, ah, daddy's girl. I see it. Thank God she got mama's looks. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Oh, God. Yeah. I know. That's fucked up. It's because uh, you're ugly. It's because you're ugly. Okay. Huh? So episode 140, and we're crushing it right now. Cinepunks coming to you from the Chicagoland area and Philadelphia. Yo, and yo, yo, you love this podcast, y'all. Tell a friend about the podcast. I feel like I love this podcast. I love this podcast. And here's the thing. Of course, listeners. we love it. We're having fun. Every time we do yeah. this, we're having a good time. Every time we do this, I mean, I, do not misunderstand. I know if you're a casual or even an ardent listener of the Cinepunks, you think that me and Liam are out here just like straight partying. You do not hear the literal hours of sainthood. That Liam exhibits when I'm just complaining about general post 40s ennui and misery that can be. You know what I mean? That I know sometimes I, I I'm a dramatic dude, Liam. I am. That's what I do. But uh, and I get it. But goddamn, whenever we're on, whenever the whenever the clean feed is pumping, your boys are having fun. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. The reality is like. I, I don't think this supplements our friendship, you know, but it builds off of it, you know, and I think it truly does. I, yeah. I will say for me, you know, people all the time ask me, like, how can you be doing three podcasts? And I get it. Like, it is hard sometimes. But for my personality, like, I'm pretty isolated out here in Chicago, you know, like big ups to my man, Nick from numerality zine. He makes efforts to hang out. Big up to my man, Sean uh, Hopman from uh, uh, another city media. He makes time to hang out. Uh 
kind of bigs up to my man Justin uh, Abney, though. Like we've only hung out like once. Like I feel like he's a busy dude. So, I've, but I'll still count him. He's a good dude. So you know, I know we'll hang out again soon. That's it. That's my whole crew. Is like three dudes I kind of knew before I got here, like over the internet, and now we hang out. And it's 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 great because Sean and and Nick are our dads, and so our our daughters get to hang out. That's cool and all, but like for me, that's not enough of a social network for me to <laughs> you feel are like a I'm, social dude. Yeah, you like, are a dude that thrives amongst people. I'm someone who wants like three like super good friends and then a crew of like 50 motherfuckers. Like I want like I yeah. want a big group of people who like they don't have to tell me their life secrets, but I want to know that I can trust them and they can trust me like on an everyday basis. You know, like I don't mm. need 50 different people who I would give my life for, but I want 50 different people that if like I was I was moving or they were moving, we'd show up for each other. You know, like that's that's it. You know, I I guess that's a big ask for some people. Some people hate moving, but think of something else. Think of a think of a mid level friend thing. It's it's not putting you entirely out, but it's more than you would do for someone you don't like. That's what I want is like a lot of relationships like that because I, I like a lot of people. I like being around people. It feeds my soul. When it comes to like blood brothers, like me and Josh, I don't need a ton of those people. I feel like if you have like 15 people who you would totally give your life for, that's got to get draining after a while, right? Like just like yeah, li- yeah, yeah, just yeah. like life events. Like I don't want to have to contact 200 people every time something horrifying. Like fun news, I'll tell the world. I'll post it on social media. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like really dark stuff, I'm not trying to call like a million people and be like, so, you know, blah, blah, blah is dying or something. Like that's not – that's just not <laughs> – no, I, no, no. I don't need that. That's and, too, too broad of a net to cast. Well, that's and I all. think part of the problem with being – with having ADHD and that this is not an ADHD podcast, but I, I bring it up sometimes just because it's something that I'm figuring out is like, uh, and I'm sure it's anyone who listens knows. Yeah. It's kind of an ADHD podcast. But know, a, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that, one of the things with ADHD is sometimes we're bad at gauging intimacy. So I don't want to have a million people I'm trying to be like best friends with because like sometimes I'll open up too much. It's just an ADHD thing. It's like we have trouble gauging what's an appropriate amount of intimacy. And so we overshare and people are like, well, I didn't need to fucking know that. I'm like, oops, sorry. (laughs) I've I've probably overshared on this podcast. So like, hey, what's up, friends I don't know? I mean, a lot of people who listen to this podcast, we know. But the chunk of people who we don't know who just occasionally tweeted us like, love the show. Like, yo, you're basically kind of my friends now because I say shit on this show I probably shouldn't say to strangers. <laughs> basically is really funny. You're basically kind of yeah. my best friend right now. I just I want didn't you to say know, best. You know? I didn't say best. I didn't say best. <laughs> I will say I will say it is weird, especially in both avenues of podcasting and as like a person who writes songs and shit. People know me intimately to the oh, point yeah. where yeah. I express so much via both of these channels that like when like just hearing people sing back songs about Jeff Pelly, I'm like you guys don't know Jeff Pelly. How dare you? But I'm also like, oh, wait a minute. I wrote a song about Jeff Pelly, and that's why. And that's the thing. But, you know, hey, whatever. Everybody's got their own Jeff Pelly. You know what I'm saying? I think the only part of that I don't I don't actually mind that like it's 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 off putting sometimes when people feel like they know you really well because they listen to the podcast just because if I don't know them really well it feels uneven and it makes me want to know more about them so I feel like we know each other more you know mm-hmm. but the part of it that's more upsetting is. When people experience me through this, right, and and all uh, th- all three shows are a little bit different, but if they know me through one of the podcasts I do or my writing or whatever, and then they feel close to me, then they might think that that's the whole world. But like the reality is, 
None of us can it's a put heavily all, edited palette. Yeah, yeah and none of it. none of us can put all of ourselves into any one of these. Like, if I had a podcast that was all of me, that would be really hard to do, and it probably wouldn't be interesting to listen to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a lot and of it'd be long. Yeah, well, that's because I can't <laughs> shut the fuck up. But, um, but you know what I mean? Like, like we don't spend a lot of time in this podcast talking about my obsession with public transportation. You know, like I love public mm. transportation. I, I I don't love it. My relationship to public transportation is much like my relationship to movie theaters. Sometimes I like the idea of it more than the experience of it, you know, like uh, because sometimes public transportation is the worst thing ever. But if it was running the way it was meant to be and, and could because technology has advanced since the 60s or the 40s, like a lot of our public trans we haven't updated in, you know, 50 years. But yeah, if, yeah, yeah, if, for if sure. it was updated and it was planned well and it really hit places, it could change our whole fucking world, I think. But, yeah. you know, like I, I mean, just think about it. There's a there. There are trains right now that could take you from Chicago to New York. Right. But if those trains mm. were even close to the technology we actually have access to today, you could get from Chicago to New York in like a day because we yeah. have high speed rail technology. What we don't have is the will to build the infrastructure in this country to utilize the technology that's been available for at least 20, if not 30 years. We just don't give a fuck because we just all want to drive our fucking little cars. And uh, side note, my obsession <laughs> with public transportation doesn't mean I don't love having a car. I love having a car. I like road trips. But the reality is at a really deep level, I think it's bad that we all drive cars and there should be more public transportation. The same way that like I like my little suburb, but if y'all didn't know, suburbs are bad for the environment. There should be no suburbs. They're bad for the environment. They're bad for the economy. Every suburb was built in debt and hasn't paid off its debt yet. Like there is no there is no world where suburbs are good other than that they're <laughs> aesthetically pleasing. And like I'll be honest, I get why they're aesthetically pleasing. Like I get that, but they're also yeah. bad. It's just a reality. So, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, who do we have to thank for this beautiful well, oh, recording? Let's, let's actually say let's actually say first and foremost that Today's episode is our Wakaliwood episode. We're covering two movies. You know, these made a big splash a while ago, so you might be wondering, like, why cover them now? We just haven't had a chance to check them out, so this is, like, our, yeah. you know, dipping our toe in. I don't know. I think that the studio, Wakaliwood, has new stuff coming out in the future. I think it's probably been delayed. I really do hope so, because these movies are insane in all the uh -huh. best ways. Well, I watched a special feature that was a CNN report about them, and in 2018, there were working on a zombie film that looked like interesting, but uh, I don't know that it ever came out. I'm wondering if COVID maybe stopped some of the production. I, I don't know. Uh, but suffice it to say, we're covering uh, Who Killed Captain Alex and Big Black and or Big Bad Black. Black. Sorry, sorry. Bad Black. Right, right, right. And, right. Uh, and uh, the reason we're able to cover that and anything else we covered on the show is because of our amazing supporters at Patreon. Now, we love all of our listeners. Anyone who's listened to the show, especially if you've told a friend to check the show out, we love you. Uh, if you post about it on social media, I owe you a hug. Like, we love all that. But it's really our patrons that, like, make this work. And not just this show, the whole network of shows. And, you know, big up to anyone who's joined the Patreon because of newer shows like Twitch of the Death Nerve. We really mm -hmm. love that uh, uh, our new shows bring in new people to be a part of our extended crew. Let's not say family because that's creepy. Uh, although we do <laughs> we do use family a lot because it is creepy. That's why we like it. But really, you yeah. are part of the organization. And we love Fast and the Furious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. True. Also Fast and the Furious. Right. Um, right. Family. Mm-hmm. 
Anyways, we love you. Thank you, Patreon. We also want to thank (laughs) our friends over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now, if you follow uh, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations or Chris Reject on Twitter, you might be a little bummed because Chris Reject doesn't like turnstile, and everyone's really stoked on turnstile right now, and he's been tweeting about how we're all stupid and we have bad ears. But don't hold that against against the company. Uh, The reality is that you could have a great business relationship with Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations and never talk to Chris Reject, which is really the ideal situation because the staff, Brad, uh, Julia, like the, the, there's amazing people there who can help you get whatever it is you need screen printed, a hat, a shirt, a hoodie, whatever it is, they're going to help you out. So head over to xlvacx.com. Yeah. Further, their opinions on the band Turnstile are not really readily available, so you could just probably listen to whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, just yeah, don't. Fine. It doesn't really matter, but yeah, Chris. <laughs> I just this, just this morning, Chris was like, like, or actually, that tweet might have been older, but there he was still talking to people about it, and I was like, you like folk punk? Get out of my face! Like I don't care. <laughs> you, you think you think quicksand is bad? So why would I care what you think? Come on, come on, man. I mean, quicksand currently is bad. That new record is bad. I'm sorry. <gasps> you don't like it. I keep seeing people loving it. Uh, I, I literally I haven't cannot. listened to it yet. It I, has, you know, I, friend of the show, Greg uh, Pollard, claimed it was mm, better than Manic Compression. Disagree, categorically. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm a dinosaur, but the bass is like, uh, it's not like, I don't know. There's just a lot to it that I'm not really uh, I'll be honest. On. I haven't listened to it yet. There's too many other things I've been listening to. Uh, we yeah, both, has it not been like this week has been amazing for like record releases? I mean, like, this I, past Friday, bro, was insane. Sorry. Going going Sorry. between Mutt's Nuts and Glow Up, you know, like it's just. Yeah. But then like, yeah, a bunch of other stuff came out. It's just it seems like there's a lot of new music. And meanwhile, in theory, I don't know if I'm actually going to do this, but in theory, I'm going to a show uh to on thursday right uh i might go because it's a vaccine you know you need to have your card they're not even doing tests you have to be vaccinated Mm. to go part of me is just still a little nervous it's because it's inside if it was outside no problem Mm. inside i'm still a little anxious so in theory i'm still going but i made myself a playlist because uh some of the bands playing i i like but i don't i'm not familiar with all their material so i've been listening to that and it's really hard to make that time and i'm like but i really just want to listen to mutt's nuts honestly yeah like, dude the record slaps it's so fucking good so good oh my goodness anyway who else do we have to thank liam oh of course our friends over at essexcoffeeroasters.com uh josh what's going on with essex coffee roasters they're making the best coffee Next yeah. question, Liam. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Dahlbeck, uh, he, he has this business, and basically his goal is to get you the highest quality beans roasted to order so it's as fresh as possible and to really demystify the quality coffee experience. So head over there, get whatever. You can get a blend. You can get a single origin. You can pick you can up all kinds of teas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Teas as in T-shirts and teas as in tea to drink. Uh, and <laughs> on your way out, you're going to go to the discount code area and you're going to put in C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X to get that 10% off. Yep. And then, boom, let them know that Cinepunk sent you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's it. We're done with that. That's it. We're done. All right. Let's do. right. Let's do the thing. What's the thing again? The thing. I don't know. It's always like a mystery when we get to this part of the show somehow. Yeah. Even though 139 uh, times we've done it. And that joke has also been told 139 times. (laughs) I mean, we did it for a full episode last episode. We did. We did. What's it called again? 
Cinepunks? <laughs> Alright, we're doing Wacken on Track. Wacken on Track. We're doing it. We're doing Wacken on Track. I, like, I was Sweet. wondering which one of us was going to break on that one. That was pretty- <laughs> what have you done recently, Liam, that has been whack and or on track? It's a good question. I appreciate the thought. I really, uh, I really like that you're asking me this. I gotta be honest here. I don't know that I have much to talk about. Um, so just a peel behind the curtain here. It's been like a, a, a crazy couple of weeks between we had our fake vacation where we didn't go to Philly, but we did, uh, stay home and try to do fun stuff and then Maeve went back to school and then Maeve got injured at school and then I've been trying to deal with her having a, a broken clavicle which is not fun uh, so she's now back today's her first day back at school so I just I haven't had an excessive amount of free time I will say I finished, uh, so uh, we talked about this briefly a few episodes ago, but I've been watching Dimension 20, and most uh, most specifically, they recently had a, uh, uh, I guess you would call it a season, called uh, uh-huh. Mis- Misfits of Misfits and Magic, or Magic and Misfits, something like that. Uh, it was pretty good. I liked it. Uh, it was my first experience. I know it's not their usual format. So maybe I'm not getting the, the normal experience, but then they just started a new one called the seven and that just seemed like really cool to me. So I've just been watching. I just jumped to the seven. Eventually I promise for people who actually like this show, I'll go back to season one and start at the beginning, but I wanted to watch a seven cause, uh, I really like that. It's, you know, seven women players, of uh, various, backgrounds and uh brennan's still the dm but he's very he's like the kind of the coolest sort of open-mindedest you know cis cis mindedness yeah well he's like a cishet white man so you're like uh, but then as he's doing it you're like oh, brennan's great he's so fucking funny and fun and <laughs> i don't know anyways it's a fun it's a fun group of people playing uh and we talked about this before i've never played D. i will say the last thing that I watched was not D&D. It was a game system called Kids on Brooms uh, that seemed pretty chill. Uh, for this one, they're doing traditional D&D, and it, it feels a little overwhelming to me. There's so much like paperwork, especially because they're playing established characters who are pretty high level, so there's a lot of like spells to check and shit, I guess. I don't know. They seem like they have a lot of fucking papers to look at, and uh, you know that's just not my vibe, I don't think. So I think if I ever do jump in, it's going to be one of these less complicated game systems, but I don't know. I there are lots of D and D purists out there who are like, you need to play the new D and D. Well, not even the new, it's second edition, that's all. Oh, Jesus. people are people are saying the new one is the best one yet. Really? Oh, well, fuck Lord yes. knows. I have not participated in the D and D discourse in quite Bro, some time. I, be, I believe know. it's I believe they're what they're on they're on five or six, right? I think it might that, be six tracks. Yeah, I get yeah. it, but Again, you know, I'm old. I'm old, Liam. You know how it is. Can you stop you know being old, though? Just stop. I'm like, trying. I'm stop really, really old. trying. I got, <laughs> you know, <laughs> shave my head. I don't know. Uh, but like there's a ton of new movies out that I haven't gotten to watch because I'm trying not to go to movie theater right now Um, Mm. I say that but like maybe if I had more time I might have been tempted to go see Candyman despite my desire not to go to movie theaters I might have still Mm. gone to see Candyman I haven't watched Annette yet that's on like my must watch list but we just Mm. we just haven't had time unfortunately and it's a real bummer I will say I will say uh, I did finally watch Zola 
Ah, oh, so good. I really liked Did it. Did you love I really, it? I really liked it. I don't know that I, part of the problem is I'm watching it so late that I've all I've heard is people like ranting about it. So I wanted to rant mm. about it. I don't know if I would rant about it, but I really, really liked it. So, you know, I watched it with Suze and we were, we had a lot of fun with it. I, I will say, and this is something people have said, but like reminding yourself that this is all just based off of a long series of tweets is like crazy because it's like there is like an arc to what's going on. There's tension. And and mm. the fact that what happened in the tweets is actually worse than what's in the movie is like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, so, so anyways. So brutal. Yeah, I but thought it was funny. She, filmed I fun it. she shot it on film. She shot yeah. it on actual film it, stuff. It looks good. It's it's a fun time. I, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it to people. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I really need to see Annette. I really need to see Candyman. Like there's a lot of stuff on my like to watch list. And the, the you know, the biggest mm-hmm. sort of thing I did very recently, cause we recorded pretty recently was the Fantasia Fest stuff. The only thing I update yeah. I have for Fantasia Fest is I managed to squeeze in one more movie, a movie called, I, I think it's, it's called the infinite two minutes. And it's a Japanese film. That's like a kind of experimental, basically this improv group from Japan had this idea for a movie and it is a film that is, it's not, it's not uh, literally one shot, but it's like digitally one shot. But uh, a dude, he's he he owns a cafe. He sh- he's shutting down the cafe. He goes upstairs. He sits down to practice his guitar and he looks over at his computer monitor and he's on the computer monitor. And himself, it's himself from two minutes in the future. And himself from two minutes in the future says, hey, I'm in the coffee shop and uh, the TV in the coffee shop is ahead of the monitor in your room by two minutes into the future and you know whatever and then he's like you know the the pick you're looking for is under the rug and he's like whoa and he's like what do we do now and he's like well you have to come down here and tell yourself what i just told you and then the camera follows him downstairs and then he does it and there's this whole looping thing where it's like people keep going upstairs to see what their future selves are going to say but then you watch them do it multiple times because it's one shot but then you have to wonder how did they did they record the other one first like how did how are they pulling off this trick it's 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 pretty neat and then because of the nature of anything that has to do with the future i kept waiting for it to get super fucking dark and there is some drama and there is even some serious danger to it but somehow it manages to be fun and goofy the whole time like really funny and fun and i love that i was a little like when it became clear it wasn't going to go totally dark, I thought, like, is this going to be bad? Is this going to be corny? And uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. It's not. It's awesome. It's probably one of the better films I've watched this, this year, honestly, which is like it's a very small film. You know, there's there's it's not like mm-hmm. a grand narrative or anything like that, but it's such a neat trick that is consistent the whole time that has, for me, like almost no flaws that like. I just couldn't believe they made it compelling. How could you make it's such a simple little thing of like friends figure out that there's a two minute gap. That's it. That's the whole story. And yet they make it really interesting the whole time. I I just, I can't recommend it enough. I don't know when it's going to be available beyond uh, what it is. And you know, I'm pretty sure it's Japanese. I think it's Mm. Japanese. I'm going to say it's Japanese. Uh, But yeah, it's called The Infinite Two Minutes. Check it out. Look it up. It played Fantasia. I don't know when it's going to be available uh, beyond that. But uh, I'm hoping to write a review. But like I just said, I've been so busy with family stuff and helping Maeve with her shoulder and all that kind of stuff that I I haven't even sat down long enough to write anything. So sorry the review's not up yet, but it should be up soon. Cool. 
Yeah. Infinite but that's two minutes. That's about it. Like I said, I've just been mostly, uh, you know, watching uh, Dimension 20. Uh, I've been enjoying What If. I think What If has been pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched the third episode last night. It was pretty yeah. fun. And then, uh, and then I've been watching uh, – uh, with me, I've been watching Craig of the Creek, and that it's not quite Steven Universe level, but it's like approaching Steven Universe level, like really good. So if people nice. if people like kids cartoons at all, Craig of the Creek is like fun and insightful. And like like I said on the last episode when we talked about it, it had a guest appearance from Deltron thirty thirty. It also yeah. apparently had a guest spot from uh, Spoon Face. Is that a band? Spoon something? I forget what the name of the band is. Well, there's a band called Spoon. Is it Spoon? No, it's more like a pop punky sort of band. Oh, Fuck. what okay. are they? What are they called? Sorry about that. I, hope, I, I hope they're called Spoon Faces. <laughs> that's a really good name for a band. No, it's it's. As soon as I said it, I'm like, that's wrong. I know that that's wrong. Uh, hold on, uh, Spoon Boy. <laughs> it's no better. It's no better. <laughs> oh, you have never heard Spoon Boy's a band I've actually heard of. That's why when I said Spoonface, I was like, nope, that's not a band I've ever heard of. I don't know why I said that, but I've actually heard <laughs> Spoon, Spoon Boy's a sort of band I've seen on people's T-shirts, but I've never made time to listen to before. And it's like fine, yeah. it's fine, but it's fun that they're in the in the show. And there's there's other guest appearances like that throughout the show where you're like, oh, I know who that is. Oh, that's fun, you know. So I don't know. I, that's not the only reason to watch it. It's also just like cool and nostalgic and whatever. But uh, I just I you know. Uh, not everyone likes cartoons, but if you're someone who has kids and you want looking for something to watch with them that is not terrible, which is hard to find, Craig of the Creek is really great. But that's all I got. I haven't checked out any newer movies. What's going on with you? What's uh, what's whacking on track for you, Josh? For I mean, you know, still trying to navigate this overnight working business, which hopefully will be coming to a close soon. So things are kind of limited. But that said, um, I saw Candyman last week. Oh, how was it? I gotta say, man, I fucking loved it. I fucking loved it. I spoke to a couple people that told me that they really preferred the original over this one. And uh, that's kind of, it, it left me incensed because I'm just like, no, nah, man, like this movie is like, it's kind of an upgrade in the sense that uh, Suspiria was an upgrade from Suspiria. In that, yeah, like it has its problems, you know what I mean? But that said, it's it's just an expansion of a vision to incorporate different parts of reality into it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and stop you and uh say that I don't have an opinion about candy maniacs. I haven't seen it yet. I don't, I don't think Suspiria was an upgrade from Suspiria, but I like Suspiria, the second one, but I, I still prefer the original in a lot of ways. Oh no, I liked I liked both of them in their own right, just like this Candyman. Like I liked the the Virginia Madsen Candyman. I liked the original Clyde Barker John, but this one I like too. And it's the same. It, I think that the analogy stands because it's the same thing. Like I don't say I won't say that I like it better because I mean the original sure, one yeah. has like a particular place in my heart from when I saw it and just what I was thinking about at the time of that first viewing. And this one has has dude, this movie is. I think it's great. I think it's great. Like, I think it's a great movie. I'm, it, I'm very excited to see it. Yeah. I mean, like, it's it was one of those, like, there's just a lot of stuff. The dude who plays the boyfriend, the, the, the dude who takes the girls on the road trip in Zola is in this movie as well. I forget his name off the top of my head. But um, if only there was a <laughs> an international movie database I could check. But anyway, um, it's he's in it and he's really good. And Wait, like, do you all think the, the I in IMDb stands for international? 
Does it not? No, internet, Betty. Internet. It's same on the thing. internet. Internet movie same database. <laughs> You're such a fucking idiot. International. Is it not international? <laughs> I mean, most of it's in English, so I don't know, I guess. Yeah, okay. Anyway, it talks about movies from all over the world, Liam, but don't worry about that. I'm just telling you what, what the name of it is, Josh. You could, you could rename it however you want, but the name of it is the Internet Movie Database. So the Insightful Movie Database, which is not up on my computer or phone currently <laughs> because I'm talking to Liam, uh, it would probably have the name of all these people. But, um, yeah, this movie, it's like it, – I mean, okay, everybody – like the context is a thing that is tragically arduous, right? Like of just like – you know, class disparity and poverty in urban areas, specifically Chicago, where this movie takes place. Um, that said, it's just the the vision is so unique. I feel, despite the ages old issues of racism and so on and so forth. The and gentleman so, like, you're thinking of is Coleman Domingo. He is so good. He's so good in Zola, and he's so good in this. Like he plays a despicable character in Zola, and he plays like a not so good character in this, but also it's like the question at the end, right? Like, Oh, it's just Candyman. I thought was just really, really good. And um, I, I really want to see it. The thing that I've have found, I, I mean, obviously, you know, friend of the show, Justin lore, my co-host on horror business has been fighting people about whether it's too woke or not. Like a bunch of people have been claiming like, Oh, it's, it's way too woke, which is like, you know, he's like, well, you're not paying attention to the original then, which also had its own politics. Uh, but yeah. I, I kind of also want to go the other direction, which is I've read a number of reviews that were like saying that the movie lacks the insight of the original Candyman, and I, I want to point out to people that while the original Candyman has a lot of things about it that are interesting to talk about regarding race, it's not a perfect narrative because no. there's some real creepy stuff about Candyman fetishizing this white woman. And so, like, while mm. Candyman, I grew up with it, I love it. I think uh, it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. If your thought on Candyman is also that it's a perfect discussion of race in America, I think you need to rewatch it, buddies. Like, I'm not trying yeah. to be mean or anything. There's a lot like, of weird stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah There's a lot I of mean, weird politics in there. Yeah, and, and, so. and don't, don't get me wrong. If you're claiming that a, a more woke version, which I hate that word, so let's just say a mm. more political version of Candyman is missing the mark, you're also not paying attention because I do think the original Candyman it's trying to discuss the politics of race. And so if you think like, well, this one's too focused on race, well, then you weren't fucking paying attention to the first one. On the other hand, mm. let's not pretend that in focusing on race, that first one got everything right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it tried. I think yeah, it was yeah, yeah. definitely a purposeful effort to like address racial disparity in America. But I don't want to pretend like it's a fucking Cornell West book or a fucking, mm. you know, like people are out here being like, you know, that the original Candyman was written by bell hooks. And it's like, nah, yeah, dog, like, it's no, not that not at all. Case. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's Clive Barker, man. Right. Like, come on. Well, man. yeah. Like, well, yeah. The race stuff has nothing to do with Clive Barker. Clive Barker's novel, or it's not even a novel. It's a short story is all about white people in the, in the English uh, countryside. It was the director's decision to set it in Chicago. Right. Fair enough. Well, there you go. Speaking of tenuous racial relations, I also saw Rancid last night at the Man <laughs> Music And uh, I mean, so let me walk you through this night last night. So the show started at, well, doors were at 5.30 and then it started at 6.30. And the first band on was The Bronx featuring friend of the show and longtime homie of both of us, Jared Shavelson on drums. And it was super fun watching Jared on this, this, uh, the summer stage at the Man Music Center. Like that was cool. You know what I mean? Like, 
don't know, you try not to be that dude that's all like, oh, yeah, man, you know, but it's also just like you feel kind of good to be like, yo, that's our boy from way yeah, back. Yeah, why wouldn't that feel good? And, that's great. Because you know what? I mean, I don't know. You're always torn with this whole, like, especially in like within the punk rock like context. You don't want to be like, oh, man, exonerating people or whatever. But stop it's like, it, dude, stop it. A man it's can great. play, it's great. and it was dope, and it was super fun, and it was just like, I love the Bronx. I don't know what people's opinions are on the Bronx. Like, I generally tend to hear that most people around this coast don't like them that much, but I love that band. I think they're amazing. And I love Mariachi El Bronx. I love everything that those people do. And having Jared on stage with those just is like, man, like this dude's in Boys It's Fire. He was in No More Black and now he's in the Bronx. Like, come on, man. Like that dude's crushing the game right now. And he's a hell of a drummer and it's super fun to watch. And I thought the Bronx were fun. But it was weird. Like nobody was into it. So everyone was just kind of standing around. And a friend of the show and longtime homie, Colin Patrick McGinnis, CPM, was like, doing his two-step during the Bronx, you know, because we love the Bronx. And um, I don't know if you remember back in the day when when we were just going to shows and Colin was, like, just going out with, like, Kid Dynamite and, like, the Step Ahead days and all that stuff. It used to terrify me to see both the flat top and the two-step because I knew what was coming next was a headlock and Colin saying, these are my boys, because it was, like, me and my brother always that shows you get us in headlocks and be all psyched to see us, but we could never get out of the headlock. And it was always just like, God damn it, that big white guy's going to put us in a headlock now, and now i got to look over his stomach at my brother who was in the same situation but in the other arm. And I saw the two-step last night, and I was like, oh, it still, like, brought back that weird nascent fear, <laughs> which is like, ah, right, I forget. Colin's my boy, but God damn, that was some dumb shit. I hated that. But um, it's cool. It was fun. And then I want to I want to I want to point out I recently the Bronx played some other big fest that a band I follow on Instagram played. And one of the guys in the band and I forget which band it might have been school drugs, maybe. Uh, but one of these mm. bands, one of the guys in the band was hard moshing for the Bronx at this fest. And it was clearly ah. it was clearly not a show at which anyone was expecting uh, a dude. I, also, this dude has punk vibes. It's like a dude in a battle vest fucking hard moshing <laughs> during the Bronx. It was a weird <laughs> it was a weird video. Uh, but I forget which band oh, it was. So that's, that's my bad. Sorry, y'all. No, no. School drugs probably fits the bill, too. Though. So, you know. Label mates across keys, but anyway, not important, not important. Um, after the Bronx played, um, the Dropkick Murphys played. Now, understand, I haven't paid attention to the Dropkick Murphys since they had their first singer. With good so, reason. Like, yeah, I'm not into it. You know what I mean? Like, it, I get it. They were in that movie, and, like, that's cool. And, you know, like, a lot of people like them. You know how um, when you see a band like Lucero, specifically Lucero, right? They look like they all worked at the the auto dealer, the auto garage from the Dukes of Hazard, and they just all could kind of play music. It's like, hey, why don't we do a band? Like that's what I think of when I see Lucera. Like they all know that guy Cletus. And then when I see the Dropkick Murphys in 2021, they all look like they work in the same fire hall. Like they're all firemen. That's what they look like to me. And that they all just were like, yeah, you know what? I can play bass. Oh, funny. I play guitar and banjo. Oh, funny. I can play a drum. And next thing you know, they're a band. Like, they look like, also, there's like 90 people in the band. And um, the one guitar player literally looked like he was dressed like Johnny Depp from um, the Pirates movies. He looked like Captain Jack Sparrow, whereas everybody else just kind of looked like a working class white guy wearing all black. And there's one dude with like a vest and a headband and a foofy shirt, like a, a, a 
fluffy white shirt. It's like, man, that guy, he looks like the chef maybe in the fire hall. I mean, you know so, what I'm saying? some of their like, music does have a pirate vibe. So I, I get that he's looking like a pirate. It, the headband, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, and also, and I get it. I was at a Dropkick Murphy's like, set, right? I was at their show. And I looked around, and it was just me and Bruce who are the only non-white people standing there. And I told Bruce, if the crowd turns, <laughs> we're just going to go We're gonna go back to back, you know what I'm saying, and try not to fall down. Those are the rules. Like, if it goes down, you and me, buddy, back to back, don't fall down. That's it. That's all I got. But um, that said, they played for a very, very long time, and it was awful the entire time. But then Rancid came on, and listeners of the show know, I fucking love Rancid. I don't give one thin shit. I've loved Rancid since I was in high school. And there's something cathartic about seeing a band from 30 years ago that you loved with Dave Adolf, who was your best friend 30 years ago, and it's like, or currently continues to be my, one of my very best and dearest friends in life. And watching a band like Rancid playing songs from like the first couple of records, it was awesome. Like, I love Rancid. They still sound good as fuck. And they were just, they were awesome. They sounded, they were shredding, you know what I mean? And it was cool because like all the homies were there and we're watching Rancid outside, and it was a really, really fun show. So that was most decidedly on track. And that's what I got. I've never been a huge Rancid fan, but they do have some real bangers. I can't deny it, you know, and, and, and at the time <sighs> when they first came out, they were pretty important to me. So I think, I think I would have fun with that. Dropkick Murphy's is torture. It's, it's torture music. It I, awful. Can't, Colin I can't, I was understand. like, so wait a minute. They're like the mummers, but from Boston, <laughs> we're all like, yeah, <laughs> that's 100% what it is. That's what's happening right now. I, you know, they're, in, they're inevitably, inevitably someone brings up like the early records as justification, but you can only ride those early records for so long when you've been putting out so much stuff. That's really bad. So whatever. I mean, Here's if you, thing, if you though, love like, it, you love it, you know, love what you love. But for my taste, that's, that's music that's designed to make me feel bad. It's just funny to me that people show up in kilts and all that for this band. And it's like, you know what? I really was praying for during their set what I really beyond wanted, what I really yearned for was I wanted to see a line of people river dancing. You know oh what I mean? God, like doing yeah. like the Irish river dance, but then combining that with the wall of death, like a river dance wall of death where it's all just knees and kilts and just linked arms and they just wall of death the pit. Like if that shit happened, I 100% would have became a fan last night. Do better fans. Do better Dropkick Murphy fans. Make me a fan. Let me know. I want to see a river dance wall of death clear the pit so everyone can fucking mosh. That's what I want to see. Did not see it last night. Saw a bunch of Second Amendment t-shirts. Saw a yeah, bunch of no, Blue no. Lives Matters and yeah, Blue that's, Line that's, shirts. That's the thing I wasn't going to say, but the Dropkick Murphys have had a sketchy audience since the 90s. So, like, I just, that's, you know, I'm not exposing myself to that shit. Get the fuck out of here. It's a lot. It's a lot. It was one of those things where, like, we all were just kind of standing there. It was just like, come on, man, just finish already. But, again, they're like they're like the Dresden dolls for punks. It's a lot, man. It's very theatrical. I don't know. It's it's a Pogues cover band, and I'm 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 good with it. It's fine. Whatever. Ah, I yeah, mean, I'd rather hear the actual Pogues. I don't even like the Pogues, but that's better yeah, for me than I like the Pogues. Uh, they it's 100 percent like the punks that are like, well, my parents like the Chieftains. You ever hear them? And it's like, yeah, I get it, but ah, oh, man, I don't. All know. right, but what, again, what else you got, yeah. Josh? Let's move on from this. Show. That's all I got. That's out. all I got. 
All right. Well, uh, then- I made it. Oh, I also made a T-shirt for Bruce Park of a crucified skinhead wearing Jinko pants and a skank and pickle ringer T-shirt. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty awesome because I gave it to Bruce last night. and It was so good. <laughs> That's actually insane. That's actually crazy. But I love that. Super funny, right? I know. Yeah. It's a good time. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to try to talk about these Hollywood movies, which are some of the craziest things that either one of us have ever seen. Uh, we're going to say right in up front. Life. It's the craziest thing I've seen in life, maybe. We're going to say right up, right up front, we're no, we're no experts on these things, but I, I think we'll have some stuff to talk about, and hopefully you'll join us back here right after this break. <laughs>
we're back. And um, you know what, man? I was trying to establish myself as a cam. We were just talking about cameo about how uh, me and Melani also on track. I, I guess I should have mentioned was that we just celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary, and in celebration, Melani got a cameo from one of our favorite drag queens, Miss Kasha Davis from Rochester, New York. Um, and I was saying how, like, you know, I'm trying to establish myself as a cameo person. I want to be like low stakes cameo, like five dollars. <laughs> It's like, hey, you got a personalized birthday message from Speaker and Cinepunk podcast and singer from Cross Keys. Like, I, I think it'd be really dope to be like, hey, y'all, this is Josh Everest from Cinepunks calling to wish you a happy birthday. Now, your homeboy, Liam O'Donnell, just said to send you a message like so and so forth, like do the whole cameo thing. But uh, I don't know how to establish myself as a personality enough to be on cameo. So listeners of the show. If you can help me, Josh Alvarez, get on Cameo. I don't think this is, this is a bad idea. I think this is a bad idea. This is the greatest idea I've had today. Greatest idea I've had today. And I have a lot of good fucking ideas, Liam. I think you need to find a way to get famous first and then do Cameo. I tell all my new coworkers about my fame. I let them all know. They're like, hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, oh, funny you should mention. I'm famous. Did you know? So, like, you know, it's like one of those things that like, I, I think that if I just project, it's like to say dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. And, you know, I'm out here liberating it. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I got rings and shit and like a mink. That's not true. But I'm like, I think I'm famous enough to be on Cameo. And if you're a listener right now and you agree with me, tweet at them. Let them know. Hey, get Josh as a Cameo. I'd pay five bucks to have him wish me happy birthday. You will. The fact that you just said five bucks. Cameo doesn't want you doing things for five bucks. Dude, low stakes cameo is the funniest thing, bro. That's the greatest thing. It's like, oh, hey, we can get the the singer from, you know, this podunk band from wherever, wherever for $20 to wish us a happy birthday. It's like, oh, man, the guy from Jimmy's Chicken Shack. Oh, I remember that man from the 90s. It's great. You know bro, what I mean? Like, bro, bro, 35 bucks is low stakes cameo, not five bucks. You got, I want to see how I want to see how low I can this go. Is, man. This is how I know you haven't been listening. We're gonna call it cameo this is, limbo. This is how I know you haven't been listening to Broad Street Breakdown because you would know from their uh, award-winning award-winning game. It's not award-winning. Uh, cameo <laughs> no, where they guess the prices of different cameos. Most cameos, you know, averaging you're at about two hundo, and like famous people are charging a thou at times for a cameo. Man, a stack. No. Yeah, but oh yeah, buddy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, okay. So, friend of the show Brian Yan has recently come upon some medical issues, and I was trying to get the Ric Flair cameo for him, but that was six hundo, six. Yeah, Five that's, that's not a surprise at all, buddy. See, you're you're just not actually familiar with the again. Big ups to our friends over at Broad Street Breakdown. This cameo no game that they play, I know all about the cameo. I hear they go through it. The worst is like when you find out what charities, like sometimes people are doing it for charity, right? So Bon Jovi was doing it for a charity, but the charity he's doing it for is a uh, diversity sommelier program. So like trying to get more not white people to be wine experts, and he's charging $1,500 a cameo. And I was like, of all the charities you could be raising money for, what the fuck is this? Like, fuck you, Bon Jovi. I mean, I don't know. Far be it for me to comment on the hegemonic like propensities of the sommelier community. 
I definitely I, think it's I cool. just I just think he could be raising money for food or something. You know, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, wines of food. I mean, Listen, to man, feed hungry people. I think your people. straight edge tendency is fucking up your perspective on Fuck this one. Fuck that, no. Fuck <laughs> you. That's some bullshit. Especially Even Conan the Barbarian drinks wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever, man. I think that uh, we need to diversify the Somalia community. So, Liam, get off your high horse. Get the get fuck out of here. Fuck that. JBJ, burn, do your burn thing, bro. All the wi- do burn, your all, thing. burn all the wineries to the ground and replace them with actual <laughs> farms that make actual food. How about that? Except for grapes, apparently, because Liam's not into that. But go on. You can't, eat, off, you can't eat fucking wine grapes. That's the whole point. They make special <laughs> yeah, grapes. Shit. Yeah. Uh, rich people bullshit. Burn it all down. <laughs> fuck everybody. Straight edge revenge. I'm gonna straight edge revenge the whole country. <laughs> straight edge revenge, Jimmy J. I Yo, love it. Straight Great. up, if I found out that I had like a, a, a some sort of like incurable disease, on my list of possible ways to go out would be like I could just burn down all the wineries in Northern California. That could be fun. <laughs> that could be really fun. <laughs> Fair enough. You leave John Bon Jovi alone though. But anyway, Fuck John Bon Jovi. I already <laughs> don't like that motherfucker. Fuck him. <laughs> All right, man. I guess some of us are living on a prayer and some shows otherwise. So what are the movies that we ass. talk about? <laughs> what are the movies we're talking about today, Liam? So for people who don't know, we're talking about uh, two movies that sort of broke out of the Wakaliwood uh, film scene, which I say film scene. It's really just one studio Dude. You know, yeah. <laughs> one one dude running this. Well, it's one dude who's directing and doing the camera work and doing the editing. But the whole community in this neighborhood are part of the process because they're all acting or they're doing set design. They're doing fucking props work. Again, if people yeah. ha- if people don't know, CNN has a show called. Uh, uh, Focus on Africa or Visions of Africa where they do stories from Africa and they did a story on this in like 2018, 2019. If you can find that, it's on the Blu-ray that me and Josh have but if you can find it to watch it on YouTube or something, it's way worth it because it's interesting, like all the makeup work is this guy's wife, there's another gentleman who does all the prop stuff and he's a crazy person uh, there's even a guy <laughs> in in uh, Bad Black, there's a there's a white dude and it's basically this guy had this thing where he, the day he bought his engagement ring for his wife, right? Uh, For his future, for what he thought would be his future wife, she broke up with him, right? So he's sitting there getting drunk at a bar, feeling like shit, and his friend's like, have you seen this this trailer? And there's a trailer for uh, Who Killed Captain Alex? And my man got into it. He fell down a, a, an internet wormhole studying about it and then bought a ticket and just flew there. and was like, I just wanted to meet you and find out about this, these movies that you make. And the dude was like, do you want to be in the movies? Because that would be cool. And now my man lives there. He's lived there for like years. He's been there for like That's five amazing. years. He's like, uh, he's like put his own money into it. He helps with editing. He's the one who like helped get the deal with. So these movies were with put out by the yeah. uh, American Genre Film genre. Archive. This dude helped make that happen. And like he keeps getting these roles. And it's really funny because in the movies, he's always playing uh, a version of like uh, Chuck Norris or something. You know what I mean? Like it's (laughs) anyways. So I say all that to say this is in Uganda. It's uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of this of the village. It's like uh, Wagatafe or something like that. Uh, uh, And it's basically a. You know, I'm not using it diminutively. This is the term that they would use, but it's it's like I say, village. It's more like a slum. It's more like a favela sort of 
environment mm. right outside of the capital of Uganda. Uh, and that's why in the film, they do a lot of everything bad happens in the capital in, in the film, in these films, I think because they're, you know, in the poor area right outside. Um, and uh, these are films that are made for, Two hundred dollars, about you know, less than two hundred dollars. That's like the the upper tier of the of the production value. Yes, two hundred bucks. Is yes, what they said. yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, now I had heard that they made a lot. I think the community has made a bunch of movies. This gentleman has made personally, at least as of 2018, 16 movies. So you know, which you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but remember, this is just a guy in a village with a handheld camera. I think since and a computer. Two computers now, actually. Yeah. When they were filming, he had it's two so laptops good. set up, and I was like, "Oh, I see, he made some money from that Blu-ray deal." Originally, he has one <laughs> laptop, and one of the reasons people had never seen these movies is he only had enough room on the laptop for a movie. So once he had yeah. shown the movie around the community, they erased he the would fucking erase movie. It. Just fucking yeah, erase it. Unbelievable! It's so funny, and it's like crazy. they make a point of that with um, "Who Killed Captain Alex," and like the reason that exists is because someone burned it. And yeah, then that was exactly, it. And he, exactly. he wiped it to make uh, bad black. Like, it's just what in the world? I, I will say in this feature, they make sure that you see that he has two laptops now for editing and he has a couple of hard drives. So he's not erasing the movies anymore. But like for a while, so you know, good. that those first 13 films are gone. And, you know, uh, let's be clear. This is the lowest budget of low budget filmmaking. And yet yeah. at $200, uh, they're able to do stuff that, like, I've seen, you know, films with a budget that were less successful than these movies, you know? Uh, and, and so, like, uh, th- there's that to talk about. And we'll get into it with each specific movie. But, you know, they're clearly influenced by American action films, right? They're clearly borrowing American from... karate movies, yeah. Yeah, and kung fu. And, 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 straight and, up. In fact, there's a there's a thing where, the, in one of the articles I read about it, where they, like, there was a, there was a theater in the Capitol that was showing classic Chinese and, and Hong Kong and even Japanese martial arts films. And so him and his brother who ended up studying martial arts and really does all the training for the people in the movies, they just went and watched the movies because they were like, Oh, that's crazy. What's that? So like, imagine a whole community of people who've grown up on American action films going to a theater in their twenties and watching just a nonstop run of martial arts films. Yeah. So these movies try to combine those. They're like, what? It's literally like, what if Rambo had kung fu in it, or what if, uh, you know, this gangster movie had kung fu in it? Because le- there's one moment where we'll talk about what this means in a sec. But there's one moment where the VJ goes, "Everyone in Uganda knows kung fu," you know, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, man, Uganda yeah, ninja. Man. Yeah, man. yeah, man." So this is the other. This is the other thing, and you know, I've heard a few colloquial stories about how this came about but I'll be honest in I I didn't do a ton of research but I read like four or five things about this and I watched some of the special features I still don't have an actual story about how this announcer genre came to be where there's a person who is basically a a DJ now uh, uh, they call him a VJ right because it's video and I say DJ and I think we need to make a very important distinction here because if we're talking about American hip-hop right and I say to you Josh what is a DJ? What do you think? What is, who is the DJ? He is the guy on the ones and twos. Yeah. But in but in reggae culture, and apparently also uh-huh. in Uganda, uh, the DJ is not the man on the ones and twos. That's the selector. He is, 
Yeah, he's the guy yelling. Yeah, the DJ is the guy who does the chanting. In fact, there's even a term for a certain kind of chanting or whatever. But like if you anyone who's seen like, for example, Lovers Rock, at these reggae events, there'd be someone who, you know, predating hip hop, predating the MC, like kind of saying, kind of chanted, kind of did the, an early version of ranting, announcing over top. Mm-hmm. And and it really reminds me, and this is a very Philly thing. Have you ever listened to the reggae shows on WKDU? I have not. Oh, man. All Sunday long is reggae. After the gospel mm. show, there's a gospel show from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then the rest of the day, and this was growing up. I don't know if it's still this way, was all reggae, all day reggae. And you never get a whole song. A song is playing, and then mm. midway through, the DJ comes on, and I will not offend everyone by trying to do a patois, but in a crazy for for fifteen year old me, indecipherable patois. This guy's on there talk, you know, big up to this and big up to that, and this goes out to blah blah blah, <laughs> and you know, blood clot this and blood clot that, and going crazy. And I was always like, why doesn't he play the fucking song? Why is he talking? Well, <laughs> that's the culture, man. That's what happens. And this yeah. is this is that for a movie. There's a guy who, while the movie is playing, talks it's over the movie. Straight up narrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. It's it's the craziest part of both of these movies, for sure. I it's like, fucking he's like, love it. He's like the Jamaican guy in the Bush Babies. You know how like the yeah. Bush Babies have yeah. their tracks where they're like, you know, Mr. Man's doing his thing and they're all like rhyming. And then there's the one guy that just comes on and you don't know what he's saying because it doesn't sound English. And he just sounds like super cat. Like he's just like doing the thing. Oh, yeah. That's what this dude is doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I have no idea if this is a literal representation of the DJ tradition. The the word that I heard and it was on a podcast and I had I have not found anything to back it up was that uh, when these movies would play in communities like English movies, sometimes people wouldn't know what the plot was because they didn't speak English or whatever it is, French, Italian. So there'd be someone sort of narrating what was going on and that became more of a comedic role. Now, I, Mm. I heard that. It sounds believable to me. Before this episode, I tried to back that up with actual research. I couldn't find shit about it. So if anyone mm. knows anyone out there doing the history of this phenomena, whatever. But for those of you who haven't seen it, it's literally a dude announces himself. He says he's there. He's the VJ. He announces the movie. <laughs> he he reannounces the movie. Like, again, if you're listening Threw to WKDU, the, the guy reannounces himself on WKDU. You're listening to blah, blah, blah. Mid song during the song. And he announces the song again during the song. Like he says, this is the song. And then later on, he says what the song is again during the song. Or like if you buy a mixtape, anyone who's bought a mixtape has heard, yeah. oh, blah, 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 doing whatever. This is yeah, that DJ during the Clue. movie. Yeah. This is a guy During going, movie. you're watching who killed you're Captain Alex. Captain- <laughs> it's, it's so, so good. good. It's so ridiculous. The whole time, like, I was like, why are there two separate subtitles? <laughs> my man, like, my man does. Oh, this mo- dude's just going to talk all movie. <laughs> and, and it, and it should be clear. He makes it clear on, when you're watching who killed Captain Alex, this is the first time they're doing it in English. Originally, this yeah. would be in, I'm assuming Ugandan is the language they speak in Uganda. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think it's Ugandan. He would be doing it. But this, these two movies represent their first like English, you know, uh, VJ over top. And, uh, and it's it's a combo of like real information. Like you know how like when you're watching a movie and there's a character and they have to find some excuse to give you background on the character? The fucking VJ does it. The movie doesn't have to yeah. do it at all. The VJ does it like, oh, this is so and so, he's real hungry, he's gonna rob this place, whatever. But then it's also humorous commentary, and sometimes the humorous like like I said, 
Everyone in Uganda knows Kung Fu. That's one. Uh, he keeps calling so the one martial arts guy Bruce Lee of Uganda. Bruce Yu. Yeah, Bruce Yu. Uh, and he keeps, the other thing is he keeps on shouting out their, their real names. Yes, he does. <laughs> like actual names. He gives the, oh the actual God. names of the actors. He, he reminds you where people, he'll be like, Commando, uh, Tiger <laughs> Tiger Mafia, Commando. Because he's like reminding you like who's who, like who's on what side. He'll reference, because it's all the same people, because it's all the same village of folks, he'll reference other movies that the actors are in, you know? He'll oh reference God, other dude, characters I they play. I watched both of these. I watched them back to back. So in the beginning of... Um, of Big Black. He's like, oh, Captain Alex is here. He's alive. And then they shoot him and he goes, oh, he's and dead again. He's like, oh, he's dead now. Oh, my word. It's what so, in the it's so good. There's, there's a moment where a woman is being tortured in Who Killed Captain Alex? And right at the point where it would be pretty dark, like this is like a dark moment. It's not that much because the acting is a little amateurish, obviously. And we'll talk about some of that in a sec. But in theory, this would be a really dark moment. The announcer goes... They caught her watching Nigerian films and then she, they hit her with another bucket of water and he goes, she must suffer. And that, it's, it's hilarious. It's so fucking and it's unbelievable. And, and like, there's a lot of stuff here too, that like maybe washes over people that I, in reading an article, I found out about like, so the name of Hollywood comes from the fact that in Nigeria, there's a whole industry, a big film industry called Nollywood. Yeah. And Nollywood, these are yeah. and those movies are huge. Like they make millions of dollars. So in calling them their stuff, well, Hollywood, they're not just referencing Hollywood or even Bollywood films. They're referencing mm. Nigeria, a country close by. And that's why there are jokes in both movies making fun of Nigeria because, you know, it's so a different sort of relationship, you know. Uh, there's also things like there's a lot of really dark jokes in the movie about violence and stuff. There's a moment where a guy's being mm. shot and the uh, the VJ refers to it as the national dance of Uganda. And you could be offended by yeah. that if you wanted to, but it's a it's a commentary on their real life experience. Like these films, what separates them, uh, let's get into talk about the medium. What separates a movie like Who Killed Captain Alex from a similar, let's let's not say Rambo or something like that, but let's say like- Like a Delta a, Force or a, something yeah, like Yeah, a direct-to-video- Hollywood or, you know, Hollywood adjacent action film from the 80s or 90s. What makes it different is the gallows humor, right? That what's happening mm -hmm. in the film is serious, but the VJ adds this gallows humor that's related to the reality. Like when they were filming Who Killed Captain Alex, right? There were riots in the streets of people trying to take down the government. I watched an interview with the director while the, before the movie showed at Fantasia Fest. And he talked about how the whole time they were making the movie, they thought they were going to get arrested because they're carrying around all these fake guns. Meanwhile, people are literally fighting the army in the Capitol just a few miles away. So he was like legitimately like we were stopped and questioned multiple times because like we had all these fake guns and people thought maybe we were military commandos or something. That's crazy, yeah. man. Like I bring that up to say, I think this is a like one of the ways that this community has to like process trauma. They're making these yeah. action movies that are based off a model they're getting from the U S or, or other countries, mm -hmm. but mostly the U S but injecting all these moments of like other like yeah, yeah like, like real cognizant moments of real grim reality that they experience every day it's yeah. fucking crazy it's, it's it's insane it's seriously and and and, the, and, the, and that's what they feel sets them apart no part of what they're doing do they 
fool themselves into thinking, at least from what I've watched and read, that like these films are obviously at the same uh, effects level. That like you know they know that they're doing these cheap effects. They're well aware that they're just making the best that they can. But for them, that's fun, and they kind of make fun of it a little bit in what they're doing, honestly. Um, but what I think sets them apart, and they feel sets them apart, is that they're fucking crazy. They're like nuts. Yeah. The stuff that they're willing to try to do, the fact that they built a fake helicopter for one of the movies, like that's crazy. The shit <laughs> is crazy. So they literally and just the CG helicopter bits oh, and man. like oh. the CG blowing up of the capital bits. Fucking brilliant! Just the it's gunshots. So in these movies, it's. Oh man. The action scenes go on for fucking ever. Everyone's getting shot. There's fake blood everywhere. It's a combo and of There's scene. a dude yelling over it. Yeah. <laughs> he, right when he starts, he goes, he, he's just like, oh, here comes the action. And you're like, oh, here we yeah. go. He's narrating <laughs> the fighting. He's making funny comments about the fighting. Like, okay, all right, let's back up a little bit here because we're getting so excited about it that we're not being consistent. Let's start with Who Killed Captain Alex. Who Killed Captain right. Alex is a movie about. Uh, a military it's like police, a drug war, military yeah. police versus like a mafia thing. So yeah, they're like a, movie, they're like a gang. They're, they're so they're, they're a they're, gang, but they're like a paramilitary gang that runs yeah, drugs. They're called the Tiger Mafia that yeah. runs drugs, and uh, so they're out here and they're like doing drug deals. And Captain Alex has this. He's he's guided by an unwavering sense of right, you know, and he's like the hero character. And and he's leading his militia against the Tiger Mafia. And he's man, got a whole team of tough commandos who do kung fu and they're kind of crazy. And like shoot people from under bridges and stuff. And then like they all have these like weapons, these faction like cans oh, yeah. oh, stuck together. There's one uh, dude that's one of the mafia guys that has a bandolier strap of bullets that's just carved sticks. It's so good. It's so fucking it's good. It's so genius. Like, it's brilliant. You and know so, what I mean? And, and it looks amazing. And so uh, eventually what happens is they have a spy. Uh, the Tiger Mafia has a spy in the camp of Captain Alex, and she's setting up so they can kidnap Captain Alex and, I don't know, hold him for ransom, torture him, whatever, but he gets shot. Mm. And then the and whole rest killed. of the movie, there's this, you know, conflict brewing between Tiger Mafia and the paramilitary forces. But no one knows who killed Captain Alex. Was it Tiger Mafia? Was it the military Was it people? The spy? Yeah, who, like who, you don't who know. Did this thing? And then, correct me if I'm wrong here, Josh. We never find out who killed Captain Alex. No, it doesn't ever get resolved. It's doesn't, just the doesn't end matter. Of the movie. It's like literally the movie's like, yeah, who cares? Doesn't fucking matter. We're just gonna <laughs> that's you know, it. do the thing. Yeah. It's it's Man. it's amazing. It's literally so okay. Let's just focus on this one and say, Josh, what for this really worked for you? Like, what were the magical moments for you? And was there anything about it that like maybe didn't work for you or wasn't great? Like, give me the highs and the lows of of who killed Captain. I mean, Alex. honestly, there's so many weird things about this movie. It's not a movie that you watch. It's a movie you experience. And I'm going to yeah, say that fair, about both fair. of these movies. I think like, that's there true. isn't anything that is like genuinely like bad about these movies because they're all sincere there's nobody in here mugging for the camera except yeah. for the dj guy right you're like right. the whole thing for both movies is that everybody's like in it like they're in it for real for real and it's just i mean honestly it's not even the kind of thing that like you watch and you're like oh man this reminds me of like when we had a camera like no it's a thing that is unto itself and in that, Correct. like, almost um, 
capsule style. It, they caught lightning in a bottle with both of these movies. Yes, I right? agree. Like, there's, and, dude, there's like a whole sequence. Where, well, first of all, Kiss from a Rose by Seal in MIDI form is playing throughout <laughs> Captain Alex. What at in the, the most, sweet goddamn? At the most yeah. inappropriate moments. And there are multiple times when I feel like the VJ is making fun of the song. Like, it comes on, he's like, this yeah. is a very pretty song. And you're like... And he starts, like, singing along, like, la, la, la. And, like, that's the that's what the subtitling says. It's him going, la, 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 la. It's and unbelievable. It's magical. In the sweet goddamn. Yeah, it's, it's just... So how are you going to hate on that? You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to watch that and be like, oh, they could have done this better? It's like, sorry, I've never seen a full hour of so many people having fun at one time. I agree. That I didn't agree. involve a guitar in any capacity. Okay. It's I will I will say for me, I had to adjust to the level of uh, violence against women in the film. Uh, in both okay, films, I'll give but you that. but I will yeah. say that that was just an adjustment I needed to make. It's the villains. It's the you know it, it, when you're it's evidence, and the VJ even makes this clear. It's evidence that some of these people are bad people, and and if you okay. take it as that, then you can like be like, okay, I understand what's happening here, and I understand that like yeah. yeah, and I understand that there's all kinds of violence. Also, in the second movie, there's a moment where a child dies that I think is important. It's a little heavy. It's important for the film, but again, I'm not used to that level of violence. But again, I, I watch lots of movies that are super violent, so I shouldn't be that surprised. It's just these movies are very matter of fact. And so I think for some folks who are watching these movies to have a good time, they might not expect such dark things. But I, I think that's partly why I brought up some of the gallows humor of the thing that comes from the VJ. The movies are played straight. There aren't really, from what I could tell, jokes. Now, there are a few people chewing the scenery. Like the the head of the Tiger Mafia is going fucking nuts. That dude is like He's going full bore. I'm gonna just I'm just gonna destroy everything and be a crazy person. But that works for the movie. I don't think it's played for laughs. I think the part that's funny is the VJ. And what's brilliant about the VJ over top is that some of the moments that are really tough, his joke is doesn't feel inappropriate it feels like what an audience would do to be like i'm uncomfortable let's diffuse some of the uncomfortableness of this moment and i honestly find it to be really amazing and this is tough here's the thing that's tough for me right i don't think of myself necessarily a lot as a very western movie goer but I am in the sense that a certain kind of film veneration is about immersion. You go to the theater to be immersed in the movie and that immersion demands silence. It demands that you not respond. And I've talked about this on the show before that becomes in our American context racialized because of Mm -hmm. class and race. There are some places where, you know, if you go to the movie, you're not going to get that silent experience. Now I would argue that some vocal experiences are still honoring the movie. When I fucking saw get out, the, there was a lot of talking when I saw Get Out the the second time. The first time I saw it, it was not it was a white audience. But the second time I saw it, it was a very black and brown audience in Allentown. There was a lot of talking, and I would say ninety five percent of it was completely fucking appropriate because it was people responding to the movie. Oh fuck! Oh no! Oh shit! And like, if you're willing to accept that silence is not the only way to watch a movie, that can be an amazing experience. The VJ is 
from a, it feels like his role is that of like a, from a culture where silently watching a movie is not how you watch a movie. You talk and you respond and you interact. Yeah. You and participate so, and interact yes, with the yes. experience. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, participatory yeah. So, the same way that like it with these reggae songs where people are talking over top of them because it's at a party and you're talking to the people at the party. The idea that you're alone in the quiet with your headphones on vibing to the reggae, like to the dance hall. Doesn't that's make sense. not a thing. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. what this music is fucking for. Man, like, what the that's fuck are you the doing? Experience to be had, yeah, 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 for sure. Same thing with these movies. You're not yes. here just to be like moved. You know what I mean? Like, you right. are moved, but it's a different type of motion, right? And it, and it helps. It helps the movie take on some of these dark, like we said, like themes of violence, of a uh, history of violence and of corruption, and of like you know a fear of a, a very dark place. The VJ but making like, a life amidst those things, right? Exactly, finding these, life yeah. in it. Yeah, it's Fuck. so good, and it's that's what makes so these, both good. of these movies. Like honestly, I'll be honest with you. Like the second movie didn't really hit me as much as the first one. Like Captain Alex is my my jam. That's my shit. By the second movie, again, I watched these back to back. Like I didn't stop in between the two of them. And by hour two, it's a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a lot. But, um, dude, it's also so immersive in that by the end of the second movie, I felt like, yeah, that's what this is about. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Agree. The experience of Ugandan film watching. Like, I get it. And that takes into account all aspects of that life, right? Like, of fandom. And, and, and let's be clear. This is hyper-specific to one community. What I don't want to say is Uganda in general, because when I read articles about this, there's a whole, like, high-end film community in Uganda that are really bummed that Wakaliwood is getting all this attention and they're not. So, like, clearly Wakaliwood is about this one community, but it is very much about this one community. Like, A... All the actors are from the community. Like no one, no yeah, one. It's the same people yeah. in both movies. And, and like, like f- it's not like the footage from the special when they're filming this thing. It's also functions as live theater for the local kids and people. Like when they're filming, everyone is watching them. You're not just performing for the camera. <laughs> you're performing for a whole audience of, of gawkers who are like, well, I got nothing else to do. I just have to come watch them make the movie. I fucking love that. I love it. I it's love it. I so love it. Good. It's magical. And honestly, it's, it's a projection of what cinema in a utopian like scenario should be. It shouldn't be this like huge gap of red carpets and wealth, right? It should be like in the hands of the people who enjoy it. And, and that's what makes good music. That's what makes good movies. That's what makes good art in well, my opinion. I also think it, it allows for a, uh, a variety of reset. So we, I've been talking about this a little bit. We talked about this last episode about exhibition of film, right? Mm. And how we don't theorize about it enough. And I think if we're only talking about theater sucking, that point seems very small, but I want to expand that point. You know, like if we're talking about music, right? If I said, Mm. Hey, listening to a D beat band and listening to an opera require different places and different contexts for listening. And if you were in a shitty squat, listening to opera, or if you were in a giant opera hall, listening to a D beat, band you're not having the experience the way it should be had i think you could have that conversation for film as well there are films that should be shown in the largest room with the largest screen with a silent audience allowing themselves to be sucked into what they're seeing on the screen i think Mm. that experience is valuable 
But it turns out there's another way to watch a movie with a community of people you love. And technically, you fucking know this, right? Because everyone has put Mm -hmm. on a movie at a party and had more fun with that movie than they ever did watching it on their lonesome. So you've had Mm -hmm. some version of this experience. But what this is showing you is that like these films are made to be shown in a context of rambunctious, fun fans who are interacting with each other as much as they're interacting with the movie. And that's fucking great. And maybe we should stop. There's a golden moment right there. Yes, I agree. Yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that goes into the art of the filmmaking. Like this is this is my issue. The idea that we focus so much about the art and the craft of making the movie and then we think, well, we're done now. It doesn't make sense. And it's not true for all of time. There have been directors historically who tried to control the context in which their films were shown. Uh, I remember in my, uh, I took a class when I was at Princeton Seminary. I took a class at Princeton University that was uh, uh, religion and modern film, basically. And it was basically like not religion in a strict sense, like theology, but more like re- the, the idea, the philosophy of religiosity, what people are experiencing as expressed in film, broadly speaking. And the professor, a guy named Jeff Stout, he is a huge film person. He travels all over the world for specific things. And he really loved this abstract filmmaker who passed away, but he has so much footage that he, in his will, wrote out specific instructions for his descendants to continue making his movies. So they're still editing his films and then showing them after he's dead. And they're all shown in Greece on this fucking mountaintop. You have to hike a mile up this fucking hill to get there, all shown outside in like an Acropolis sort of thing, right? That man cares about the fucking context you show his movies, right? Like for him the experience of exhibition is as important as the editing of the film. That's part of the art of what he's doing. I've also seen filmmakers have a personal projector and show their movie in a subway and just be like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit in the car of the subway and play my movie. And hopefully people like it. Hey, if that's what you like, cool. Like I just, yeah, I I just heavy curation though, man. That's like a hard. Oh, sure. But what I'm saying is I just think that like the idea that like, there's one context in which all films should be shown is probably a lack of imagination. And that actually, Mm -hmm. if we thought about the full experience of the art of film, then we should be talking about the pre-production, the production, but also the exhibition. What is the experience the audience Mm -hmm. is having? You know what I mean? Like no one Mm -hmm. making Jaws ever thought Jaws would be shown at a beach to a bunch of people in tubes on the water. But I yeah. bet if they did think of that, they would have thought, well, that's fucking sick. And I'm sure anyone who's gone to one of those screenings has had an experience specific yeah. to that. You know what I mean? Like, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. And I don't know that every movie needs to be like uh, a gimmicky exhibition, but the context huh. of exhibition should be part of the conversation of the filmmaking. In, in my mind. I agree. I agree. I mean, like, there's a difference between seeing, you know, Melani and I went to Silver Springs, Maryland to AFI Theater like a couple years ago to see yeah. a projection of 2001 A Space Odyssey in 70 in yeah. those chairs. 100%. You know, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Itself. And that was an immersion of like the caliber of which I haven't really experienced since. You know what I mean? But also, I've shown Mr. T's Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool at a party. And equally cathartic moment, equally cathartic moment of like, we're all here and we're watching this shit and it is fucking hilarious and I'm stoned and it's great. You know what I mean? Like both, both experiences are valid. 
as movie experiences go, I think. And to not celebrate that is to do disservice to the art. Now, calling right. 2001 art and to, and Mr. T's be somebody or be somebody's fool art, yeah, I get it. It's a stretch, but also it's true. What do you want from me? Yeah, I I I I I had this conversation with our editor uh, Sharky, and I'm less inclined to use the term art for film if by using that term I mean something that is like highfalutin or separated like a lot of great movies are pure product and uh, are motivated entirely by film or by film I'm sorry by money uh and mm. and that's okay like I don't think something has to be deeply theoretical and considered to be fun and entertaining but there are mm. plenty of films that are deeply theoretical and considered that are like definitely art and technically those other ones that are made for pure entertainment, they're also art, but I just, I am slow to use the word art because I know the cultural weight it has. So when I call yeah, fast, the and, when I call fast and furious art, people think I'm, I'm elevating it. And if they knew me better, they knew I'm not. Cause I think half those movies are shit, but they are yeah. a kind of art. It's just, why are you making the art? There's some art is just made for fucking money. You know, that's not just true mm -hmm. of film. It's true of actual physical Music. paintings. Yeah. Some people yeah. paint cause they need money and they're not trying to explore the depths of the creative process. They're just trying to get that money. And that doesn't make what they're making not art. And in fact, some of it's good. You know what I mean? It's not just mm -hmm. that some art is good and some art is bad. Some art that is motivated only by the bottom line is still pretty good and that's okay. We can admit that and still praise art that has no money motivation. But you know what? There's some purely non-money motivated art that's very fucking bad too. So it goes yeah, both directions, no, you know? Sure. Uh, I, I, I want to return just to the specifics. Uh, I hear what you're saying about Captain Alex over uh, Bad Black. I liked Bad Black a lot specifically because I liked having a female protagonist. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. You know, that, that appealed to me. Um, but I will say that I think Captain Alex – because of the fun aspects of it, like again, it's a serious movie. It's not, I think, it's except a for the serious VJ, action movie. But yeah. but but the, all the kung fu shit is fun to me. I love it. There is some kung fu stuff in Bad Black, but it's less of the focus uh, than it mm. is in Captain Alex. So Captain Alex appealed to me more too. But there is something about the cruel gangsterness of Bad Black that I also liked, you know, and and the mm. fuck the rich aspect of Bad Black I also very much enjoyed. So yeah. you know. There, there, there are things to love, I think, about both movies. Um, I don't know. I Again, I'm with you that I, I might like Captain Alex more, but I understand people who prefer Bad Black. I, I get the appeal of that as well. So uh, both are great. And, and if you haven't seen them, they're not that hard to find. And I think they're entirely worth No, they're worth both on the American Genre Film Archive on Arrow. If you have the Arrow Player, which is a, a streaming service that you can pay for for like it's like not it's it's the same price as Shutter, I think. Yeah, it's well. Uh, it's I think totally the Arrow Player it. is well worth it. They, their collection is very yeah. good. It's so good, and honestly, I, I think I might like it a little bit more than Shutter, just because it's a lot broader of a net to cast. Like I think there's a lot more. Sorry, pardon the sirens moving by my house, but um, yeah, there's a lot more there. I feel for Arrow. But um, you can find both well, of these movies not, on there. Well, it's not genre specific. Uh, excuse me. Oh, let me specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not genre right. specific, right? Like Shudder is focused on horror. They do a variety of horror. And they occasionally, 
I think, honestly, thanks to Arrow, have not horror movies on, like Japanese action or Yakuza films, make their mm-hmm. way on the shutter. But Arrow, the channel, has almost, not their whole collection, but a lot of their collection available. And Arrow's put yeah. out some awesome shit. So, like, again, I, I, I get if you money is a concern, but if, like, one year you're trying to decide, like, should I renew shutter or not? And you, and you do have limited funds, I would recommend maybe take a year off from Shutter, switch to Arrow, and just see what it's like. For me, I do both, but I also am bad about spending money, so who knows? <laughs> Agreed. But that said, I, yeah, I, I definitely think if you're a fan of film and if you're yeah. a fan of joy, yes, seeking agreed. out these movies is 100% your deal because it's super fun. Um, Liam got us the Blu-ray version of these movies, and both of these movies are on one Blu-ray, so you can just make one purchase, and that'll be the thing. Um, 100% recommend. It's worth it. It's super fun. And the, the special again, features are fun. You get to see the community. You get to see the interviews. There's interviews with him from Fantasia Fest and Fantastic Fest. He they did uh, introductions. Like basically, they were so into the fact that this, these movies were going to play outside of Uganda, which they had never done before. Uh, Who killed Captain Alex? They recorded separate introductions for every festival they played. So you can see them so cool. doing them in English. You can see them doing them in Finnish, in Chinese. Like they did all. All these different introductions they did music videos for the songs that were in the in the films like <laughs> the special features are stacked so i i highly recommend the blu-ray um if blu-ray is outside of your you think or you want to try it first you can check them out on uh, uh, various places and you can even watch clips and the trailers on youtube so check these movies mm. out i i it, here's the thing we do have friends who listen to the show who just are generally interested in you know uh whether that's vhs film movies or low budget movies in general no budget movies this is for me the ultimate example of no budget filmmaking and in every moment even the darkest moments of these movies radiate joy of creating something to me and i and i hope you have if you check them out the same experience agree agree all right so that's it episode 140 of cinepunks yeah did it did Thank you so much for listening. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe because it's the currency that matters to podcasters like us. And um, thanks for listening. Tell a yeah. friend. Find tell, us tell on the find, find us on the socials. You know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. It's all C I N E P U N X. Uh, you know, yeah, post about it. Uh, check out some of the other shows. Check out some of the writing on the site. Check out the Patreon. We even still have the store up for shirts, even though no one's bought mm-hmm. a shirt in a while. But, you know, maybe get a shirt. That that, that helps us out. And, uh, yeah, just continue to be awesome, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Smoke Bob! Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Horror Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Donald. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great, or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.